0: Welcome to the Mothman in the Bible Belt Podcast, with your host, Buck Fantastic. Go Scout Cookies! (laughs) Seth Sturm is an activist podcaster, and is the chair of the West Virginia Democratic Party's Indigenous Caucus. On this episode of the Mothman and the Bible Belt podcast, Seth Sturm discusses what he feels is racism in the West Virginia Democratic Party, and also why he returned to the party after leaving it last year. Mr. Sturm's presence on this podcast does not equate to support of any kind for the Democratic Party. It simply highlights that racism isn't limited solely to the Republican Party. Join me, your host, Buck Fantastic, for another exciting episode of the Mothman in the Bible Belt podcast. I approve this message. Seth Sturm, you're with West Virginia Democratic Party's Affirmative Action Committee, and you're also the head of the Indigenous Caucus.
1: Yes, that's correct. West Virginia Democratic Party Indigenous Caucus. You find out more and join our caucus as an ally or an indigenous person by going to wvdpindigenouscaucus.org. We need as many people as possible to join because, you know, one of the one of the problems that you have when you're in the Indigenous Caucus in a state like West Virginia is membership. Um and we've got to let people know that yeah, okay, maybe there's only they estimate say around 11,000 indigenous people in West Virginia. But those 11,000 indigenous people, we need to come together and we need to be a force somehow politically within this state. And right now, truly, the best way to do that that I have seen is this indigenous caucus. I had left the party last year after the primary um, for reasons, personal reasons, obviously. And, you know, I was done. I couldn't have been more done. I felt like Tara Reid when she said I'm politically homeless. But last earlier this year, Mary Ann Clater, she she was the woman. I was the campaign manager for all of her campaigns. Um, first African-American to win a statewide contested primary in West Virginia. She started telling me about this AAC, the Affirmative Action Committee. And she was she became the female co-chair of the Black Caucus. And she said, they're trying to get together an indigenous people's caucus, but a lot of people are saying there's nobody to do it. And I said, well, isn't that a shame? If they wouldn't have run me out of the party, maybe I could have done it, you know, joking around. And honestly, so I came back specifically just to head up this caucus because it seemed like nobody was going to do it. We're only the 15th indigenous or Native American caucus in the entire United States. So we're you know we're setting precedents here we're pushing boundaries we don't know you know what all we can get done several people have reached out and said hey you're going too far but i've tried to make sure that everything i did was within the realms of of acceptance within the realm of acceptance um as much as i could and i haven't had much pushback from actual democratic party leaders it's mostly people on the executive committee who you know, they have questions, whatever. They they're on the committee. They have the right to have these questions. And I, I encourage them to ask ones that aren't offensive. I've had several that I that are offensive that I'll tell you about later. But those kind of things are expected. And I can't, you know, that's why I want to defend them. I want to set this up to be something that's truly impressive, that really gets people's attention. And they say, I didn't even know that we had Native Americans in West Virginia. Because I don't know if you know this, but the state of West Virginia's official position. Is that when white settlers arrived there were no resident populations of indigenous or native american peoples you know but have you ever driven down the road and seen those historical signs the white ones here in marion county almost every other one is talking about some indian raid or the indian wars and settlers having to protect their homes so i don't know if those people were just moving through west virginia on their way to ohio or kentucky or what they're trying to say but they were here The simple explanation is is that our political leaders in the past have erased genocidal atrocities from our history so you know that's what we're really about we want to bring justice here we want to be at the forefront of the new investigations into what really happened i think that there's been a a shift in consciousness especially with all the tragedies we're hearing about coming out of canada and the first nations people up there and the terrible response from prime minister trudeau and
0: are you, you referring ever, to the Catholic church scandal?
1: Uh, yeah, with the uh, with the boarding schools. I don't know if they called them boarding schools up there. But, you know, that's something here in the United States. My grandmother was taken out of her home and put into a white boarding school. and Were those there. kids
0: raped and murdered?
1: The, I, everything. From my understanding, they found evidence of torture. Uh, uh, I don't know about rape. I didn't personally see well, that. Well, it current. is a
0: Catholic church, you know.
1: Well, you know, honestly, I'm going to go with it. Then I, I allegedly, it's true. So the, um, but, but you know, it's really, really, really gross, and it's it's something that is evidently not on people's minds. Something that shocks them. But you know, if you're indigenous, if you're if you know have a family who's you know, my grandmother experienced this stuff. You know what has been done to us by governments since people showed up on these shores. So that's what we're about. We're about, and you know, I also view it. uh, Our caucus has said many times one of the things we want to be viewed as is the environmental leaders here in West Virginia. There is almost no outlet in the Democratic Party of West Virginia for an environmentalist. So if you are an environmentalist and you're in the party, come be an ally with us because we're going to draw up some white papers um, and try to do endorsements after the primary next year. And we're going to be looking for candidates who are the right fit for the indigenous caucus and who will do things to protect us, recognize us and, and protect these lands from the people who are destroying it like Jim justice. So, and you know, Joe Manchin, what's
0: your, (laughs) what's your your, uh, numbers are like when it comes to membership in the indigenous caucus? Okay. So
1: like, just give you a little bit of background here. Washington state, when they started their indigenous caucus, I think they might call it the, I don't know. When they started their version of the indigenous caucus, They had two members for I think it was two years, only two members. We are already doing better than that. At least we have um, rotating members. I think we're up to ten. You can usually count on five, four to five actual indigenous members, full members showing up, then one or two allies coming for the meetings. So it's been pretty good. We have I mean, this group of people is amazing you go to some of these other caucuses and everybody's, you know, they don't know what, you know, they kind of get into each other's way. And with us, I mean, it's like every idea that someone has, we say, yeah, let's go for it. Let's go for it. And like, I just love this group of people in this indigenous caucus. So it's, it's been, you know, because one of the things that a lot of people don't understand too, is that being in a place like West Virginia and being indigenous, there's not any community really. And so, you know, outside of my family, There's no one indigenous that I interact with, really. So having this caucus has introduced me to new people. Uh, And, you know, our secretary is this really great woman from the eastern panhandle, Sandra. And she has been I've loved meeting her. And she's one of the nicest people I've ever met. So there's this great chance for a community to form as well. So, you know, maybe the Democratic Party isn't always the best because it's not. I'm going to be the first to admit that always. Uh, So you're
0: saying it's a shit party?
1: It's not a great party. It's really not. But the thing is, we have to, you know, if there's ever a chance for any change, it's when people actually make a nuisance of themselves and they're actually heard. Um, so, you know, sitting by idly by and just writing a letter every once in a while or making a phone call and definitely just complaining on the internet doesn't do a whole lot. Uh, the more direct action campaigns that we have from really active, civically minded people the more of a chance we're going to have for a better outcome. So I, that's why I want to encourage everybody to come join this caucus because we want to push boundaries. You know, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll just tell you, because people I don't know, you might have a picture up of me. They might not be able to see me. I'm biracial. So my grandmother is full-blooded Navajo. I if, I, if I stay out of the sun, I'm definitely passing. You know, most people, if they don't spend a lot of time with me, just me walking by, they'd say, there goes a white guy. But my family, they don't get that. You know, my aunts, my my grandmother, my family out on the reservation, they don't have that. And they've people have elected me to be this position of chair. And some of the attacks that I've received have been nothing short of attacks on my heritage and my race.
0: The so um, people are saying that you're not Native American or you don't look Native American enough to be represented. I, right. And I, I've had to feel. And this is not the Democratic Party.
1: This is in the Democratic Party in West Virginia In West Virginia. I'll tell you, there was a member of the executive committee who sent an email to me here. Let me let me pull this one up and read it to you, because this one really astounded me because I didn't realize this was the same person. Whenever I whenever I read this, you'll see what I mean whenever I say I didn't realize this was the same person. So on August 17th, one of the members of the executive committee wrote me and said, Seth, I'm new to this conversation. What is the official Democratic Party definition of an indigenous group or an indigenous person? And in what sense do you occupy this status? Thanks for helping me to understand. Jeez. So I responded and said, I'm a member of the Navajo tribe. He replied and said, thank you. Now, this was on August 17th, okay? So after I filed my grievance, that we'll talk about, I'm sure, on September 3rd, Friday the September the 3rd, he responds to where I filed the grievance and sent it to the executive committee. And he said, I'd be interested in learning how many people are members of the indigenous caucus and in what ways they qualify to be classified as indigenous. Is this something real and valid representing the thoughts of a substantial constituency? Or is it a cry from a few lost souls in the wilderness? And I write sustain it. Well, I'll tell you, that cost in one of meeting,
0: our and your
1: heritage. Well, not just my heritage so my aunt was has been a republican trump supporting republican for years i mean not trump supporting for years but she's been a republican as long as i've known her my whole life and she supported republicans and she loved trump coronavirus and the response from trump turned her she was turning slowly towards the democratic party which you know the democratic party is a moderate party if you're a republican there's no reason you shouldn't support these Democrats because they're very Republican. They're very moderate people. So she was starting to see that she was coming around. So she joined the Democratic Party, came and joined the caucus, was an active member, never been active in anything politically in her entire life. That question, along with um, a harassing post that was put up by the Monongalia County Chair Shane Asadzondi. Uh, caused her to tell me Democrats are more racist than the Republicans. I'm not going to be a part of that party. And she left. She's not a member of the caucus anymore. She's not a member of the Democratic Party anymore.
0: Is she at so, least an independent?
1: I, yeah, she's definitely not going. She, I don't think she'll be supporting Trump in 2024, but that's you know, they, they had a missed opportunity. You want to know why they lost in Virginia? You want to know why they're going to lose in 2022? It's they're not because, going far left enough. That's why. That's right, because we need to actually do something for people. We need to do more than just have this fancy rhetoric that we think people are understanding and hearing. Because what I've learned this past few months is that they're tone deaf, not just the establishment, but even the progressive right. wing, the people who are...
0: Supposed they're all to be talk.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: No talk. I'll talk. No results. Right. And that's,
1: that's what I want to change in some capacity. I understand that... I, you know, I'm not the first person who's wanted to do that, but, you know, I just feel like this is a real opportunity. We have this AAC now, and I want to be the one to push the boundaries of it and what we can do with the individual caucuses versus what the AAC, the affirmative action committee is to be used for right now. A lot of uh, contention is around what purpose the AAC serves. We're joining this grievance I along with my co-chair, my sister Mary Sturm and Mary Ann Clater, the female chair of the Black Caucus. We filed this grievance. Right now the only person on the committee who's still on the grievance is Selena Vickers. Mary Thorpe resigned from both the co-chair position and from the co-chair position of the Senior Caucus. She just left altogether. And what we're what we're saying and what we're screaming from the rooftops is that We have been experiencing extreme levels of discrimination, and they have been systematically building in disenfranchisement to the voting system and the structure of this committee. And the end result, whether intended or not, is the complete disenfranchisement of most BIPOC members of this committee. Define racism. Racism is just, okay, so for me, whenever I say this, I'm talking about Anytime time that, whether it's subconscious or conscious racism, any bias that you have towards somebody of a different race. So a lot of people are paternalistic, maternalistic whenever it comes to minorities. They don't even realize it. One of the members of the executive committee, I will not name, told me, you know, they, they lecture in such ways, you will do this. They told me, you will. And I said, no, I won't. I don't. The, that's not the way that this is set up. And if you allow people to say, It is a white me, person? It is a Latina. So, you know, I'm sure there's only one person that fits that bill. And she knows that I've spoken out. I've said, you're coming at me in this really strange way that is delegitimizing me. She's trying to say, give me your caucus members information. Well, I'm the representative to the uh, executive committee and she won't, she doesn't want to talk to me. She wants to talk to them directly. So I said, anything that you have to say, I'll relay the information and I'll see if they want to contact you. That's what I'm willing to do. And it's just fielding these kind of requests that aren't requests. You know what microaggressions are. You know, it's whenever these people come at you with, with these little things, it's just, you don't even realize that you're being offended half the time, but you know, something's wrong. And it's, it's, it's little digs. I'll tell you, representative Cody Thompson, he's on the AAC with me. As I said, people I'll name are the people who have. Uh, in my view, abused their positions of power within the AAC. So Cody Thompson, Delegate Cody Thompson, unfortunately, probably soon to be former delegate, thanks to gerrymandering, despite all of our differences. I sure would like to see him win. Um, I, I hope that they can overcome really? this. Yeah, truly. I I, I see no reason he why voted He voted for
0: this year's anti-BDS bill.
1: Oh, it's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. I would like to reach out to him and say, Cody, please don't do that again please think about the palestinian people who are being slaughtered right now and don't be okay with that okay anyway so anyway moving on so former delegate cody thompson sent me the first communication that we had together was he said, i sent an email to him saying you know let's let's, let's talk i want you know i'm on this committee i want to meet everybody he ignored it for a couple of weeks until there was this i don't even remember what happened but i i said he, oh i know i there was this email thread that I had started where it was going to his house mail, uh, you know, West Virginia at West Virginia House, and he sent an email that was very rude, telling me that that's not the email address to use and uh, something I don't know. But he was he, he implied that I got it off of the of the legislature's website, and I said I didn't even know that you were a legislature legislator. To be honest, I I didn't recognize your name. I just got this from one of the mailing lists, and he called me a liar essentially and said that. No, no. He's never received mail from the AAC to that email. And so I go back in the email just a couple of days and hear the male co-chair of the AAC at the time, Hollis Lewis, and also the black co-chair, male co-chair. He had been sending emails to Cody Thompson's house thing. But, you know, Hollis doesn't get a nasty email. Only I do. And this is this is a continued pattern. So whenever I speak to him and I have any kind of attitude, he tells me I'm a rude person. But that's the first, that's the first thing I've ever encountered with him was absolute rudeness. And I, I I made the mistake because we were going to have a conversation that day around that time. And I called him supercilious and, you know, I stand by that. I, it was, it was just in passing and it caused the biggest uproar because, and so, you know, he ignored my calls. He, he completely ghosted me, wouldn't respond to my text. And, you know, it just goes to show you that if, they feel entitled to mess with your time that some of these people they're they're not focused on the right things. And believe me, I know that I'm going to get in trouble for this interview and all those people out there that said Belinda B 4 controls me, there is absolutely no chance. There's a picture of me. you
0: and her on the internet. It's,
1: it is a fantastic picture too. Let me just say I had that smile on my face was genuine. It was Are y'all
0: having an inappropriate relationship.
1: Uh, many people in the AAC would definitely say our relationship is inappropriate. They don't want me talking to her at all. I went out to lunch with her. I invited her because we're from the same County. And at the time I'm fully aware I work. We need to get into probably the backstory a little bit. So at this point, this is a couple of days before the first. Did meeting she buy
0: you me. oysters?
1: No, i had no, I had no oysters. I do think that she ordered shrimp, shrimp pasta though, but that's not the same. And, uh. So, But we got there and we talked about all indigenous caucus stuff. I told her about the podcast. We went over our bylaws because we have sponsorships and all of these crazy things that no other caucus wants to do. And she, she, I was talking about her, what can we get away with? Am I allowed to do this? Yeah, yeah, you go do that. She's actually pretty good time. I'd never had, had lunch with her before. Uh, and I don't, you know, I've never been a supporter of Belinda Biafors. I, I've never talked to her, but maybe five times before joining this committee. So it's not like I actually have a relationship with her. Or Does she her have an around. actual
0: personality?
1: She, yeah, she's actually pretty funny. I'm going to be honest with you. If you if you could remove a lot of people that you you know, there are other people that you know. We our friend, our mutual friend, I won't name. Uh, I really enjoy speaking to her. Some of these people are terse. Their their attitude, especially in politics, is not great. It's wrong a lot of the time, but whenever you remove that, that's why people like George Bush get rehabilitated by Barack Obama. I'm sure he is a funny guy if you're just sitting around talking to him. So, but yeah, so it was a good lunch. I enjoyed myself. I'm not going to say I didn't. And when we were leaving, I knew, and this is absolutely true. This is what started a lot of the harassment against me. I take full responsibility for being the first one to be antagonistic. Buck, anybody who knows me and I believe you know me will tell you I can be a jerk. Uh, it's just a fact. I, as, uh, one, one person told me, I fan the flames of unnecessary conflagrations and I couldn't agree more. I do, but I view the conflagrations as very necessary because fire is purifying. I posted that picture on our Twitter, on our Facebook, and then without any caption, without any explanation, I just sent it in a group message to Selena Vickers and Mary Thorpe. Apparently. That really uh, set them off. And that's, they accused
0: you of fucking her, didn't they?
1: Well, they they actually, you know, something that, like, to get serious for a minute, Buck, this is, there was a very serious. They did, allegation. didn't they? Well, it was even more serious. It, even more serious than that accusation. Selena Vickers, and I have this for multiple people, told this story that one day, I, I, I won't. I won't tell the whole story because I'm not exactly sure of the details. I've heard three different versions, but the gist of it is, her husband has been fearful that I'm going to do something to hurt her physically. Why would she think that? Why would he think that? She, I'm sure he doesn't. Uh, I don't know. And every time I've tried to address this, Selena p- puts a spin on it, and, I, and she won't address whether or not she told people this. But I have it on. I have you know i have people who have told me that they've heard her say it so this has been they're going beyond just the political world they're trying to make it out to be that i'm some monster that i could be physically violent that i'm somebody who shouldn't be trusted that i'm some hothead uh crazy person and that everything i'm saying is just a conspiracy theory this is what happens whenever you speak out against powerful people and you laugh you say Selena Vickers I've never heard that name that's not a powerful person it's you the people behind the scenes the people who are pulling the strings they're some of the most powerful people that you can find Selena Vickers and let me let me get into this because I think this is important for people's history so there's a group this group is called PDPR PDPR stands for let me pull it up here Um well that one is a is a stock market.
0: Um progressive s- democrats.
1: There's something along those lines. Oh, I won't be long here. So PDPR. Anyway, I you know, I should have brought this up beforehand, but I wasn't planning on <laughs> really getting into it. Uh are the People's Democratic Party for people. The, the, the people for Democratic Party reform, PDPR. And There's They are this group whose stated goal is using the rules and bylaws of the Democratic Party and the charter of the DNC to take over state parties for progressives. I don't really have a a problem with the idea of using the rules to take over the party for progressives. But what I've seen done here in West Virginia is concerning to me. The way that they have gone about this has been to use race and BIPOC and people of color's identities, because there is a difference. They have used us in a way that has further disenfranchised us, not just within the AAC and in terms of voting structure and in terms of subcommittee membership, but by placing us as this agent, as this as this wedge to drive into the party to, to begin to to splinter it so that they can start taking over. It's one of the most insidious things I can imagine.
0: How many progressives are would you say are involved in the West Virginia Democratic Party at this moment percentage wise? Actually member like membership
1: wise honestly I'm going to say that at least 30% are solidly progressive. Now, that's I mean I would even say within the Democratic Executive Committee, a lot of these people privately are very progressive. It's whenever you get into these these organizations in, in the larger groups where you start rationalizing and you're you know you become less important as just an well you know I'm just one person I've got it I've got to vote this way so I can preserve this you know they, they make rationalizations for every decision they make. Nobody thinks they're the bad guy, and I I understand that. That's why I don't want to call anybody a bad guy or imply that anybody is actually. There are are definitely some characters that I believe are nefarious. I'm not going to say that there's not, but I think that a lot of the people that are involved in this have been caught up. So this group and and their stated goals. Selena Vickers is their point person in West Virginia. Now, she denies the accusation that I made that she is the chair of PDPR here in West Virginia. But earlier this year, she did give a talk that is still up on YouTube where in the video description, she's described as the chair of West Virginia PDPR. So she says that that's a mistake, but if you allow a mistake like that after knowing that it's up there, I believe that you're complicit. That's my statement, Seth Sturm's opinion. And so either way, you could see that she's a point person. So what we have here is this group whose stated purpose is to use bylaws and rules to take over a democratic party. let me just tell you one story here to to highlight the appropriation of black identity. When the June 3rd meeting happened, um, and this might've been before that, I'm not sure exactly when this was, it was around that June 3rd meeting. There was a a black, uh, an African-American person that I know who I will not name, who was approached by Selena Vickers. And she had written a tweet for her and said, hey, could you, could you send out this tweet to Joe Manchin? And, and my friend said, no, I don't think I'm comfortable doing that. She said, well, you know, it would just look better coming from a black person, which is offensive first and foremost, very, very offensive. The fact that she would even think that. And so my friend said, no, I, I still don't, I still don't want to, why don't you act this? Why don't you ask this other black woman? and her response was, oh, I don't want to put her in that position. I just thought that you were strong enough to stand up to the criticism. And, you know, this is what happens is that they're appropriating our identities and this pursuit of of power to take over the Democratic Party, which, okay, you want to take over the Democratic Party. I would probably support that. Like I said, I'm an unabashed progressive. I would love to see a leftward shift in this party. Full, full, full to the left, all the way. Let's go. But, That's not what I don't, I don't think that's what they're actually doing. I see this as a, as a way I, so, okay, let's just, you know, my brain's kind of just taking, this is a power play. That's what you're saying. Right. So let's go back to the June 3rd meeting of the West Virginia democratic executive committee that went pretty viral. It got national media attention. People were going crazy, calling it a racist implosion. So after that meeting, Selena
0: Vickers. Let's talk about the meeting itself. The affirmative action committee was booted. From the West Virginia Democratic Party meeting, yeah, that that was
1: they were kicked out because they said, "Oh, you can go watch it on YouTube." And after they kicked him out, they ended up blocked Marianne, and it caused problems with people's accounts too Mary and ended up having to call in. but but and and then there was this whole thing about the plan and and but you see what they said, we don't want this plan that that Belinda Biafore wrote with with these white people. We want to be able to have. So there was no
0: black or indigenous or Latinx input or Arab input whatsoever. Right. On the the plan that Belinda put in. Right.
1: Right. That's absolutely true. But here's where things get interesting. I am not defending that. At the time, I didn't defend it. Now I don't defend it. Here is where things get interesting. The outrage, the outrage that people like Selena Vickers, Cody Thompson, Mike Pushkin felt and expressed at that time. None of it is felt now. Whenever we had a plan that was written without any input by people of color or BIPOC people, none. Whenever you get to the AAC, they just recently put out a plan. Buck, there wasn't a single BIPOC member who had real input into that plan. Uh, I don't think, unless Marlene Midget is on, she's the only one who may have been on the the, um, planning committee, but I think she was in bylaws. So there was, as far as I know, zero input. So as I put in an email, I said, so this, it seems to me that the outrage in June in June was that this group of white people was mad at that. The other group of white people got to write the plan instead of the other, you know, it's like, which group of white Democrats do we want writing a plan for minorities? And that's what we've been dealing with. We're, so where is the
0: affirmative action plan at, at this moment?
1: As far as if, I know, I I believe they passed it. honestly, After they voted to remove me and censure me, I have before that actually, but the same night that they did that, I had decided to boycott all AAC meetings because they're not acting in good faith. The leadership of that committee are not acting in good faith. In my opinion, we have a lot of, uh, uh, like I said, a lot of agendas and a lot of people are not looking at this and looking at the harm they're doing to people of color by using it in this way. We have, as the indigenous people, only one outlet, as I said before, and that is this indigenous caucus. If we allow people to take our name and, and become enemies with people that could become allies or that could help us in some way, for an, for an agenda which we don't support or which we don't benefit from, why would we do that? Why would we put ourselves in that position to be used? It doesn't make any sense. Even if, even if you promised me something, why would I do that?
0: Why the hell would you want to be a part of the Democratic Party? They don't give a fuck about minorities. They don't give a fuck about Native Americans. They don't give a fuck about black people. They don't give a fuck about Latinx people. They don't give a fuck about LGBT people. They don't give a fuck about disabled people. They don't give a fuck about Arab people. Just look at all the, just look at this year in the West Virginia legislature, only one Democrat voted against the anti BDS bill this year. One, only one. Who was that? Let's praise him. Her. Delegate Barbara oh. Evans Fleshire. Oh, I did. She's videos. a wild card.
1: She is. I did some videos for her uh, at the last at, in the last campaign. So uh, I helped get Barbara elected. So,
0: But that's a damn shame. Only one Democrat. I mean, they don't they don't understand that. If these horrible anti-BDS laws continue getting passed across the country, sooner or later, Americans' ability to protest their own government and corporations poisoning and impoverishing them are going to be heavily infringed upon That's where these horrible laws are headed, and people take for granted, oh, this ain't going to do anything. Yes, it's going to do all kinds of things. There are well, consequences. I mean-
1: Look at look at what look at the turn that we've taken. This is completely off subject, but you brought it up. Look at the turn we've taken in the past year and a half um, in regards to authoritarian leanings, uh, laws. uh, What's been going on since George Floyd? It's been crazy.
0: Seth, yes. Why don't you move to the Mountain Party or help Paula Swearengen build up the People's Party in West Virginia? Mountain Party.
1: Is out for me because of a, an interaction I had with the, the chair of the party. Um, I just and Howie Hawkins last time I interviewed him and he seemed nice enough, but I found out some stuff about his transphobic ways and mixed that with the uh the racist interaction I had with the chair of the mountain party. I'm spill the beans, with spill so, the beans. Denise Binion works uh as the chair of the mountain party. do I don't know if works is the right word, she probably volunteers and. She also has a Facebook group called the Native Plant Society. And in that group, there was a plant that somebody referred to as the squaw something or another. And a fellow on there got on there and said, could we please not use squaw? It's a derogatory term. This is actually called and gave the scientific name and it gave another common name for it. And these people did what, you know, the Confederate flag people do. That's the heritage. That's history. You can't go and erase it just because you don't like it. And this guy's, this guy's another indigenous fella. And he was fighting with her, and and she was getting pretty heated about it. And I came in and I said, you know, uh, I'm Navajo, and I got to agree with this fella that that it should stop. You wouldn't use any other racial slur and say, oh, it's just fine. That's just what the name of the plant is. And I was accused of mansplaining and and started being attacked for that kind of stuff. And I said, I'm I'm Denise. I am not going to have to. I don't want to have to explain this to you again. So just understand when a person of color, when a when a BIPOC person tells you that you're being offensive, take a second, listen, analyze, then respond. Because the knee-jerk reaction to be always right, always to be the one who's on top, uh, you know, well, you're doing that because you're a man. I, I mean, immediately, as soon as she's found out for, for being wrong. So that to me doesn't, it's not the kind of leadership that I want. Um, and with the People's Party, listen, the People's Party rises up even though I'm in the Democratic Party, I would be the happiest person ever. It's going to take somebody to the left proposing a threat before these Democrats even think about moving from the center. So,
0: in this state, they're really not in the center; they're center right, far right. Well, in in my in my world, uh, when I say
1: the center, that is the right because in my mind, the center is people like Bernie Sanders. But for some reason, in this political spectrum, that man is labeled a far left. Uh, you know crazy person. But yeah, he won
0: all 55 counties when he um, ran the primary. Well, and you know that I did a podcast supporting
1: him throughout the entire, from the time he announced until the time he dropped out, I did a day, almost sometimes daily all the time, weekly podcast that just covered his campaign and the news surrounding it.
0: But do you think with, where Belinda Barfor has publicly advertised the democratic party as a big tent? it's remotely possible to actually have the party in west virginia to push candidates running as democrats to adhere to some kind of platform since they're not adhering to any platform most democrats in 2016 uh the west virginia democratic party came up with the most progressive platform ever but yet very few of the democrats in the house of delegates And also in the state Senate or even with the platform.
1: No, the platform is a lot of, it's performative. A lot of times it doesn't necessarily have teeth. That's why, you know, I can only speak to the indigenous caucus. I can't speak to the whole democratic party, but that's why, excuse me. That's why we want to do endorsements. We don't want to just support any Democrat. We want to support good Democrats, Democrats who, espouse the values that we do so that way you can look at it you know the idea here is is that you can look at a democrat and say okay well they they didn't get the indigenous caucus endorsement did you ask for it did you want it why okay you know that must be bad because you know i know that i support what they support or whatever caucus it is if they do the same thing that we do i don't know who's going to do it but i can only do what i can within this caucus to make those changes and you have my you know that's what i'm doing and that i'm actively trying to reform the party as best i can from this position in every way that i can
0: in september the u.s house passed a one billion dollar iron dome bill for israel only eight democrats voted no two democrats voted present including reps alexandria ocasio-cortez from new york and hank johnson From Georgia, how could a person who is of Native American ancestry be a part of a party that just supports endless war and genocide? I mean, because I don't. That's the
1: only thing I could say. I don't support the party in those things. You will never hear me support anybody. (laughs) Those things are not me. You know what I mean? Like, so that's how I view this is that if more people like me were to take charge and and be a part of something. If, if they can get away with it now, maybe I'm lucky I haven't been shut down yet. Maybe, maybe this, this you know, the battle for the Democratic Party has, has allowed me to get away with more than other people. What people have made that accusation, I honestly don't know. I just know that as long as I can, I'm going to push for those things. Um, not just within the Democratic Party, I'll push them anywhere. Uh, it's, it, it's just, I, you know, I, don't, I can't, there's no good defense for the Democratic Party, and I'm just going to say that. My advice to them would be this, you know, it was unfortunate that they had those losses in Virginia and their takeaway was, okay, well let's go ahead and pass this, this package now. I mean, it almost seems orchestrated. They take a big loss and then all of a sudden they can find the votes. We found the votes. Let's get it done. So uh, they
0: could do more. How can you build power in mm -hmm. a party that blindly supports endless war and genocide yet denies the people the right to a living wage, Medicare for all, universal basic income, affordable housing, and housing as a human right.
1: Yeah, I know it's 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 hard. I don't support those things. As I said,
0: how do you make how do you get
1: power? I I don't know that you do. I don't know that you can. I'm trying. Um, you know, here in West Virginia, we have a smaller population. I like to think I like to think that the reason PDPR is actually targeting West Virginia is because that we're, a, we're we we have the potential for real real change, you know, a momentous change. So I want to help be that. I want to see if there is a change that's possible to radically shift us from being this corporate center, neoliberal party, into being that party for the working class, the party for blue collar workers, the party for the working poor, for the impoverished, for the abject poor. We want to fight for policies that bring those people up. And we want to have a base level. Like this is me speaking, not the Democratic Party. clearly. And I want to have a base level for all people. Housing should be guaranteed for every American. Income, medicine, food. We have enough money to provide these things for our citizens, but we let people starve. go They go without money. They can't pay for their rent. They came homeless. They can't pay for their medicine. They die. We let that happen. The only thing the Democrats can do to start winning people back over is this: is this is it. This is the platform. Money in your pocket, food on your table, roof over your head. You give us those three things, you'll win every year.
0: But the clock is ticking. People are asking and nudging the Biden administration, as well as both progressive and non-progressive Democrats in Congress to nudge on Medicare for all and student loan debt forgiveness. Yet, um, they're uh, deaf to it. I mean, people... People are hurting right now and they're asking for a bailout since Wall Street got a big bailout, 2008. And for the most part, they're the ones who are the big prime recipients of all that PPP money.
1: Right. You know, the CARES Act was the largest upward transfer of wealth in modern American history. We've got problems in this country. Both parties have a problem with the donor class. You know, it's. I think it's a little bit simplistic to say well, both parties work for the same people. They might be different people, but it's overall it's the donor class. You know, maybe they're behold you know, these people are beholden to the coal and natural gas and these people are beholden to this other sect, this other industry. But overall, every politician falls in falls victim to being trapped it, it, because it really is. It's almost that they're trapped. They, a lot of them willingly do it. It's not saying it doesn't enrich them, but if you don't do it, there's almost no chance that you're going to win because the system is entirely corrupt so we not only have to look at the politicians who are clearly not doing what they're supposed to do uh i think you know we've got joe manchin here that i've never been on team Manchin. i have been telling people since he started i've never voted for him no no and i've i took a lot of heat in 2018 for saying listen i'm not voting for joe i'm not doing it i was I was I really you remember 2018. I took a lot of heat in that election for a lot of positions, Um, but I stand by all of them. You know, people got mad that I shared an article that you had written, but it had people's voting records. It had people's campaign finances in it. It was chock full of information. Tell people what happened
0: exactly. Tell tell people all the dirty hate mail that you got because you shared the blog that I wrote detailing legislative candidates voting records in West Virginia and also their campaign finance right uh, spending
1: right and some of those people were people that the reason that we that i did it was because one of the people in particular amanda Eastep burton uh oh i said I wasn't naming names but i did so Dude, this person nice. so this person she ha- ha- had been helped we had kind of helped her uh, and supported her throughout and one of the big things for mary and clater and for me was people not hiding questionnaires to get endorsements um And she had some voice support for that. And she had voice support that, you know, she would never make Marianne like be seen with mansion. She wasn't really pro mansion and all the, all of these things. And we found out right before the election that she had actually hidden the the questionnaire in her answers and that she had been posing in pictures with Joe mansion. So Marianne felt like, you know, she had kind of been used and me completely independently. I decided, you know, why are we sitting here allowing people to act this way? somebody's got to do something. And you had just written this beautiful piece exposing her and tarot Ellis, um, for taking Heather brush money, you know, the Mylan Milan pharmaceutical, raising the price of the empty pen monster. I am they so they opioids, uh, but just FYI, I am definitely getting thrown out of the democratic party for this. Uh, but listen, so they took money from that monster and that is what Cindy God, lavender bow did it as well. Oh, well, yes. Well, maybe, uh, you think that they'd have enough HGTV money? Anyway, they, um you know, it's just that these things—it's—it's it's what happens. And you know, I can't defend the Democratic Party. I don't remember where we quite where we were, but I mean, I don't defend any of these actions. Oh, we know we were talking about the 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 the, the article. So yeah, we share. I shared that article and immediately got just tons of responses. You mean normally you can't get people to even like a post, but boy? Oh boy, I got people writing me and. And Mike Pushkin commented on it, then deleted his comment, then sent me a message saying, Hey, I deleted my comment because I don't want to give any credence to people like you and your blah, blah, blah. So, oh, and by the way, you know, Mike Pushkin over this whole AAC thing, whenever the June meeting happened, he was going on and on about racism, racism, racism. Um, I've been including him in my emails about the grievance and about evidence and about all of these things because I sent it to the Democratic Executive Committee too. And he sent me an email. and I said it. I asked him. I said, "So, you know, what is your take on everything that's been going on in the AAC?" And he said, "I don't know. I haven't been following, and I don't care to. I'm focused on the fact that we need ten more or twelve more Democrats to win House seats, uh, or something." And I'm like, "So you don't, you know, you don't, you don't care? What, what is that? Who, who? can? How can you say that?" So I don't know if his. So just predisp- using for political gain. Right. Well, and you know, honestly. I don't know what redistricting did, but Mike Pushkin used to be in a pretty um, black district. So I don't know, maybe now he's playing to the white people and he's like, I don't need to do
0: that now. I don't know what, what happened that he went. He voted for that anti-BDS bill as well. And he's been seen photographed with Zionist APAC National Council member, Rabbi Victor Yuraki. And he's been posting his crap a lot. And it's like, I'm just scratching my head as to why someone that's, supposedly opposed to um, racism and supports cultural diversity, would want to be seen dead with someone that's involved in a political organization that's whitewashing the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians, and also trying to make it a crime for Americans to participate in any kind of form of protest or boycott to stop that ethnic cleansing. I mean, it's beyond crazy, and many of the progressive world in west virginia are also going kiss kiss with rabbi yarecki to me that that insanity is inciting anti-semitism and causing people to want to attack jewish people because i don't know many jewish people that are zionists who are friends of mine right and I none of them support none of them blindly support the government of Israel. And that's what AIPAC is trying to make it appear that all Jews support Israel and all Jews are a bunch of rabid foaming at the mouth Zionists, which they're not right. Jews are just as politically diverse as Christians and Muslims, yada, 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 you know? No, and and it's, it shows a lack of moral
1: fortitude. You don't have the strength to stand up when it matters, but you have the ability to speak out whenever it's easy. You use rhetoric to get ahead but you never back it up with any action with any like i said that's what's got to change people have got to start demanding real action and that's that's what i'm advocating i'm not advocating blindly to come join the party again because it's great it's fantastic i don't i'm not advocating i mean Honestly, we are going to be in a bad way because I mean, I'm sure the Republicans are going to slaughter. But, you know, honestly, there's a lot of Democrats that vote for a lot of the bad environmental bills that we have in the state. It's 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 something that absolutely bothers me and that I you know those people won't be getting endorsements by the indigenous caucus if I'm still around. So I you know, but the thing is, I'm willing to fall on this sword, too. I'm willing to go out here and expose all of these people in the hopes that Maybe somebody can take this indigenous caucus and in the, in the seeds that I've planted and continue on with this with this idea without it becoming something that's co-opted by the establishment or by anyone else who wants to use it to further their own goals. I don't plan on leaving anytime soon because as far as I know, I'm the only person who can independently, me and my sister, we're the only ones, well, actually, I believe that my, my secretary, Sandra, like I said, everyone in the indigenous caucus, but they're all women uh, except for me, um, they would all be great. None of them would be a problem. I'm not saying that. Um, but we're the only one, you know, we want to carry on in this independent way. And I hope that that continues and that people don't come in because we have no, we have no rules. Elizabeth Warren could come and join and say she's Cherokee and we have no rules and no way to verify it. So I worry about that because I've seen a lot of people running around here lately saying I'm indigenous, I'm indigenous, I'm indigenous. And
0: a lot of them aren't. Did the West Virginia Democratic Party help Marianne Glader when she ran? Oh, well, you know, as a whole,
1: definitely not the institution. No, there are a there are pockets of individuals within the party who I would say we got more help from people within the party than we got from the progressive reformers that we're talking about. So, if it's one on one, yeah, the 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 people within the party that you would call establishment probably did more to help Mariette. And I'll say this: they also did more to harm. There were plenty of people who worked against her, actively worked against her. But I think that that's kind of the thing we have to look at is we have to be able to separate and target individuals within this party in any party in any system. We have to be able to get past the, the macro to look at the micro. And there are people within the party who are persuadable, just like there are independents out there who they do want leftist things. They would love to have a more socialist society. They just don't realize it. We've got to educate as well as engage
0: and, Okay, go ahead. Was Mary Ann given a platform at the past few uh, Democratic dinner fundraisers? I know Paula uh, Swearingen said that in 2000, 2017 and I think again in 2020, they wouldn't even let her speak.
1: Yeah, no, Paula is a, Paula is Paula definitely a unique case. They did not do Mary Ann the way they did Paula engine. I'll just say that. Um, Marianne has had more opportunities to speak than than she has. Um, she's more definitely more accepted by people in the establishment than Paula is. What whatever the reason is, that's there's a there's a definite difference between the two. But I would say this, I would say this. I don't think you're gonna find, despite what Marianne Clater says, I think that at her heart, she has that human, you know, she has human, she has humanity, which is something that despite what a lot of people would say, I think Paula has as well. Um, you know, I think she gets it wrongly vilified and 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 chastised in the state and she's an easy target for a lot of that because she so saw the of.
0: activist world slamming Paula because she was calling out corruption in the democratic party isn't that yeah. a good thing i think so that's what i do i
1: i i've never been one to sit idly by and say oh this isn't a problem you're i've never defended i've never said oh belinda Biafort is the greatest chair she should stay You're not, these are not things, these are not statements that I've made, you know, so I think it's how you have
0: reforms made by calling shit out and keeping people honest and keeping their feet to the fire.
1: Right. And like I said, you know, whenever you can look at the humanity of somebody, I can now tell Belinda Biafor because she knows that in my heart, I'm a good person, at least, you know, that she's seen and I am. And I think that she will know now that if I come and I say something, it's not just because Seth Sturm wants power. Seth No, it's because Seth Sturm believes that and he's now telling her that and she understands that. So no matter what going forward, if we're political adversaries, I know that there will at least be a mutual understanding and that there will be more respect. I guarantee you she'll show me more respect than a lot of the people on the AAC have just because what we have seen, what we have done independently, we have been adversaries in the past. Right now, uh, with the AAC, because, like I said, it benefits the party. Our interests are aligned. I want to see a strong AAC and strong caucuses. She wants to see the AAC not be weaponized, so these interests align right now. They won't always.
0: And when you met that's, with that's her when you met with her and had lunch with Belinda, b a four, did you all talk about her uh, past support of uh, Jim Justice and Joe Manchin?
1: Um, jokingly. We talked about that. I didn't, I mean, you know, that wasn't, of course they did. You know, Joe Manchin and Jim Justice, in my opinion, are compatriots. They're one and the same. They are two peas, one pod.
0: As they, a Native American, have you experienced a lot of discrimination in your life?
1: I would say some. It's not, a, it's like I said, it's the little things. I wouldn't say that it's like, hey, we hate you because you're Indian. There's not a lot of that because there's not a lot of indigenous people. So they don't really, even when I'm really tanned, they don't know what quite what I am and all of that. But um, when they find out, it's it's that's and I, almost that it, I wouldn't say that's worse, but it's just annoying. So when they find out you're indigenous, it's like I said, oh, I'm indigenous, too. Oh, I'm Cherokee. My great great grandfather was Cherokee. Oh, I'm sure he was. Sure, he was. You have papers. You know what I mean, and, and like it's just so crazy to even try to say something like that. There's no way to verify, and you just have to kind of take it. And I don't know any other race that is so dolazald than the uh, American Indian.
0: So, you said um, you said earlier when you were discussing the use of the word squaw. Yes. Is there other is there other terminology that people have used that you repeatedly on social media and also to your face that you have found offensive because People, people are, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not trying to downplay because some people are ignorant. People, some people don't even know that the word squaw is offensive. Right, uh, right. No, they, they, and what, they don't. Words, what words are offensive that people should not use in the presence of indigenous Americans? For me personally, that
1: would be the ones, the only ones I've ever heard myself would be engine squaw. Those are the most common. I mean, if people are going to say something, those are the most common that I've heard. And I'm sure that the, the list, I'm sure if you go out to the reservation where people despise that they have even exist, I'm sure the list is long. I mean, with anything. So it's the exposure that I've had to people who, you know, I like I said, I've experienced nasty things said, fucked up things said that really just kind of blow your mind when you hear them. Like I had a teacher in high school. He told me, that native americans have no name they're not native americans because he's native american he was born in america he's natively from america and they're not indians because indians come from india they're from you know that's an indian so what are they they're savages that's literally that's a quote that's, that's pretty exactly nasty At calvary christian school fellowship baptist church fairmont west virginia so yeah send them your letters tell them seth sturm said thank you <laughs> Uh, That place was so I listen. I could tell you so many horror stories of growing up in a Christian school, a a Baptist fundamentalist Christian environment. Listen, were you you handling snakes at a young age? No, I it would have been interesting because I really like snakes and I really hated chapel. So we could have found a balance there that would have worked for me. But no, it's it was awful. It was it was literally traumatic. I have um you know, I'm not somebody who likes to talk about my own personal issues, but at the same time. You got to destigmatize mental health. So my my years of abuse uh, as a child, uh, as uh, the spiritual emotional abuse I suffered at Calvary Christian School, I've been diagnosed with complex PTSD, where it's just day in day out I had to fight or flight to survive for eight hours uh, at this school that was serious spiritual abuse. Oh, serious! Uh, you know, this is the type of school where before my mixed race black cousins came, they used to do slave day, They're on Spirit Week, where they would auction us off on on a desk, and raise money for the school that way. And then you know, slave day come. That's pretty fucked and, up. Uh, so slave day would come, and then they would be responsible for keeping you You know, it's like a lesson in you know how to own a slave properly. You got to get them lunch, and and then it's also a lesson in having you know how your slave master is going to treat you, like. My slave master brought me an extremely racist, but extremely delicious Southern feast. And, you know, there are others who like give them saltine crackers and say, eat it. And they think it's funny. So it's crazy, but they stopped doing that when my, when my cousins came. So, you know, but they might be doing it again. I don't know. I don't know what they, I don't know what their makeup is like nowadays.
0: Lots of people are having like the football team, like the Washington Redskins. They're now the Washington Football team, do you think? Do you think that we should see more of these name changes going around when it comes to very controversial and racist names, like on football teams, sports teams? I think here's the thing,
1: and I I think that you'll find a lot. There's a split in the indigenous community on this one, and I am actually somewhere in the middle. There are people who Let me just give you my take, because it honestly encapsulates both sides. Names are racist. You know, Redskin, racist. Uh, The Indians, pretty generic, pretty racist. Uh, So that's a problem in and of itself. But I also don't like how you can have the Celtics, you can have the Knicks, you can have the fighting Irish. You can have these symbols that are classic um, history for, for white people. And that's not a problem so i think what i would like to see is that you know that if you were to change the names whilst and change the caricature of the mascot into being something honorable i see no problem with having uh you know the uh, arizona navajos or or whatever i think that that's the way we need to go i don't want to see us completely erased from the sports world because that's important for a lot of us is to see that representation like my grandma She just loves the Redskins and was devastated that they changed their name. Uh, God bless her. You know, so it's not cut and dry. And I don't want to see that we lose that representation or that we lose. Because anything that we lose is not going to be gained. Um,
0: Should Cher Cher alter the words to half-breed?
1: No. My aunties would be very, very upset.
0: Because she does use the word squaw in it. She does.
1: Again, like this is the thing about artistic expression that's 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 what that song was and i'm sure that and you know that song has a as an it, whether share i don't know share's lineage i don't know if she's actually native
0: american she's armenian well she's on her mom's side her mom is a little bit she said that she's cherokee really is cherokee her mom georgia there have to be and, some real cherokee so but she is predominantly, i think armenian Mm. well okay so here's but the, the thing. song is about racism in general right yeah. and, and it, it might
1: not be the most uh appropriate especially considering nowadays but at the same time i know for a fact that my uh half mother uh, half indian mother half navajo and they enjoy that song a lot and it, it resonated with them so no i don't think you should change the words if it speaks to somebody should would it have been better if somebody of actual indigenous descent were to sing it? Absolutely. Um, You know, actually indigenous music in and of itself is hard to come by. I, I, one of the things I'll give a, I'll give a shout out to one of my favorite bands, lay butcherettes. Uh, they, they're Mexican uh, kind of garage band and the lead singer is pretty indigenous, you know, in the scope of, of living in the country, you know, there's more European and there's more indigenous in the, the makeup of your blood and she's definitely more indigenous and an activist in that world and we need to focus more on those people and so you know let's let's get a re let's get a let's get a let's get a what a cover of the song written by somebody sung by somebody who's indigenous and i would be definitely for it no problems whatsoever so you know there's it's just shades of gray but i don't want to i'm not one of those people who really believes in in changing everything or or you know i mean i you know i'm not somebody who believes that we should like I said, I want to keep the representation. I want to keep us on people's minds.
0: Do you you want to to be Warren should be using her native American ancestry, knowing how she was silent on the Dakota access pipeline for the longest of time.
1: She shouldn't be using her ancestry because her ancestry is so far back and she's so far removed from it that she has no cultural ties to the reservation. This is a great way to tell if you're, if you're, really tied if you can really claim the title indigenous or native american if you don't have any cultural ties whatsoever if there's nobody in your family that you know who is you know identifies as indigenous and that can has ties to the reservation or to the tribe back home then you're not really as um you know you're not you're not there's you might have some dna but just culturally you're not and you probably are so far removed from it that it's it would you know you go far back enough everybody has an ancestor from somewhere um so i i don't i don't think that elizabeth warren should have ever used it even with her refusal to do anything with dakota access i think that what she did was disgusting i have no time for it and people that defend her uh, you know, do it. Do, go defend Rachel Dolezal and and ask her to be in a position of power again, because there's no difference. She took from indigenous women what should have been theirs and appropriated it for herself. Um, you know, you know, I would I would say that um, Elizabeth Warren should definitely apologize for her racial insensitivity.
0: Do you feel that the National Democratic Party is doing enough to give Native Americans as a whole a larger voice?
1: It's getting better i'm not going to lie it is getting better but until the united states government actually uh, recognizes the american genocide and commissions uh, its own truth and reconciliation commission that's real that uh, is real and that will have teeth and that we can actually get some uh, idea of who the criminals were what atrocities were committed and really dive into this in a real way uh, until we start recognizing and honoring the treaties that we have with indigenous peoples protecting their tribal lands their hunting lands their fishing lands until we start taking care of the indigenous communities and not just leaving them to rot um you know it's all it's all for show so we're getting a little bit more attention we're getting some things indigenous people's day biden did recognize it first president to ever do that in addition to columbus day which he's obligated to uh uh, designate because of uh, an amendment or some law in congress whatever um so that's these things are good. We got Deb Holland is running the interior department, even though you know that's not going exactly great with a lot of the uh, gas and, and pipelines and everything that they're they're giving permits for. But slow progress is a start. We've got to do something to rapidly increase the the level of support that we have among people. We have to start putting these needs first because the more every we're so small that if we lose fifty percent of the tribal lands, it's 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 a death sentence for everybody. I mean, if we want to protect any semblance of these cultures of our cultures, of our people, of our history, we've got to start doing more to preserve it. And that's that's what we that's you know, that's that's where the democrats are failing nationally. They've got to really start stepping up that game and showing us that that you're serious because I mean, yeah, I know we're small. We're a small population. And as that one fellow on the executive committee said, we feel like lost souls in the wilderness. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. That's what it feels like when you're out here and nobody takes you seriously. Well, if we take and don't give them that pipeline, what are we going to do? We have to do it. We have to. And it's just that it's a tired line. I mean, fossil fuels are going away. If they don't, we are. I mean, extinction is not a a joke anymore. It's a very real possibility for everybody on this planet. And there's no sugarcoating it. So yeah, stop the pipelines, protect the lands. We need to start doing things radically different. And the Democrats have a lot to do in order to step up in that regard. And they're not even beginning to do it right now. There is so much that needs to be done. And so few people
0: talking about it that it's scary. Is it time for reparations for Native Americans and black Americans? Yes. What would that be in your opinion? Money. Bernie Sanders says, oh, it would be
1: through social programs. Listen to me, you paternalistic white man. It will be through money. Give us money. Period. How much money? All of it. You stole- California is still the sixth richest economy in the entire world. You know how it started that way? Because they came in and stole all of the gold and the land from the indigenous peoples of California. And killed them all. So you know what? Everything that you've got out there is because of us give it all back and you know that's our starting point
0: we can discuss racism is perceived differently by different groups of people the words you spoke or the tweets you tweeted that you thought were funny and clever could easily be perceived as being racist by someone else the same goes with a person's condescending tone or pushing a racial minority to do your bidding to make a political statement because you think it will have more clout with the masses It's important that we open up a larger dialogue in our country about race, racism, and cultural appropriation because we are still divided in this country along racial and ethnic lines. And many minority groups feel that their cultural and racial identities are being stripped from them, exploited, and used for political gain. We need to acknowledge that and do something constructive to heal the wounds of the past and create a more positive and inclusive future where all American voices are heard, especially Americans who've been the victims of racism, land-grabbing, and genocide. I want to thank Seth Stern for being my guest on the Mothman and the Bible Belt podcast this week and for shining a light on racism in the West Virginia Democratic Party. You can listen to the Mothman and the Bible Belt podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Check out my website, mothmaninthebiblebelt.com, for updates on new podcast outlets, guest bios, and for direct links to my social media. Thanks for listening!